are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. Today we're chatting about uh, private members' bills and the, the impact that they can have and should have when introduced into National Assembly. Again, as I said, they are raised uh, around certain current issues and they can be from local uh, local regions, local problems, right up through to national issues where legislation seems to fall short. And the legislative process is is always fluid. It has to be uh, laws and legislation has have to be amended and and adapted to current situations. And that is why uh, we are granted with the opportunity of being involved in the process. Now, one of these uh, fantastic private members' bills that's been introduced lately or recently is an amendment to the Disaster Management Act. And this is brought about as there have been obvious shortfalls in the management of the this disaster that we find ourselves in and um, definite overreach by by government and in especially in imposing of, of regulations. We seem to have... Um, um, amendments and drafts, uh, regulations that are put out without any oversight, and this could lead to major problems down the line. And it might appear that the Disaster Management Act in itself is rather outdated. So, as I said, many constitutional rights have been impacted, and some of which have resulted in more damage to our society and the economy than perhaps the disease itself has the cure been worse than the cause? Well, perhaps so. Well, on the line, we have uh, Dr. Hrunewald, who is the leader of the Freedom Front Plus, who has put forward a an amendment to the Disaster Management Act as such, and it's called the Disaster Management Amendment Bill, which proposes some really good solutions to the problems we are, we are currently seeing. We've uh, Rob, good afternoon. Good to have you on here. And um, this bill that you've put forward is, in my opinion, a, a rather uh, important bill as it guides the country um, forward in in managing this, this disaster, managing the COVID, COVID time and managing regulations going forward. It's, in my opinion, it seems um, a bit after the fact but as I said, you know, we can only understand the shortfalls in legislation once we once we actually try and enact that that legislation. And your bill seems to address these these problems. Do you want to take us through that sort of the objects of the bill and and the purpose of of this of this amendment? Rob, uh, thank you again for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You're quite correct. Uh, this is for me uh, a very important bill uh, that uh, can have quite an effect on the disaster management in South Africa. We all experienced what happened and we are still in a national disaster. Uh, by the 15th of uh, August, it will be a 17th month. Uh, we're in a state of disaster. And we as ordinary citizens has experienced what happened with regulations from different ministers Although the responsible minister in terms of the act is the minister for local government. And I mean, at one stage, we were described 
uh, of what we are allowed to wear, what type of shoes we are allowed to wear, and everything like that. So that was a huge impact on our fundamental human rights. Now, the problem is that in South Africa, we have three pieces of legislation with what the government can use in a, can I say, a state of disaster, uh, a state of emergency. And we also have in the Constitution where the president can call a state of defense. Now, a state of defense is, of course, uh, a very severe issue. It is regulated in the uh, Constitution. That is when you have martial law. And we also have in the Constitution a state of, des- of a state of emergency. And there is some areas, gray areas, when it comes to a state of emergency and a state of disaster. Now, in a state of emergency, which we don't have at the moment, it is quite uh, clear in the Constitution that the President can declare a state of emergency for only 21 days. After that, it must go through Parliament. And the whole object of this bill for the Disaster Amendment Bill, which I put forward, is to create a similar situation. Firstly, the Minister can still call a national disaster. Uh, of course, we must say to our listeners that you can have it on all three fears of government. You can have it on national level. You can have a disaster on provincial level and on local government uh, level. Now, there is at the moment, as the bill or as the act reads, no proper, can I say, uh, from the executive accountability to parliament and parliament has very limited oversight on the disaster. So in this amendment bill, I try to say firstly, yes, the minister can still call a state of disaster, let's talk on national level, and for 21 days. And after 21 days, if she wants to extend that period, she must go to parliament, and parliament must approve a further extension. At this moment, the bill reads that the minister can declare a state of disaster for three months. And after that, uh, she can extend it on a monthly basis. And so that's why every 15th of every month we hear that the disaster, state of disaster had been extended to another month. Uh, and parliament has no say in that matter. So this amendment bill say that after 21 days, the minister must get approval from parliament. And what is also very important in this amendment bill is that all regulations must be approved by parliament. The members of parliament represent the people of South Africa. Therefore, they at least should have a say in these regulations. And it's not something new. There are many pieces of legislation. The moment a minister wants to uh, put out certain regulations, those regulations must be approved by the portfolio committee uh, or the the relevant uh, portfolio committee in Parliament. So that's the main aim. In in short, I can say, the whole uh, central object of this bill is to make the executive, say the minister, more accountable to Parliament and Parliament to have more 
oversight powers on the executive in a state of disaster. And therefore, I call on all uh, role players. I mean, we know and we see many institutions uh, and people going to court, uh, questioning the regulations. Many of those regulations were irrational. Now, here is an opportunity where these institutions uh, and the people can make submissions to Parliament on this amendment bill to say, we agree that regulations should be approved by Parliament. That is what it is about. So that there is a more rational approach when it comes to regulations in future. As you said in the beginning, it is true. It's actually the first time South Africa had a situation like this. What is interesting, many other countries in the world don't have a disaster act. They only have a state of emergency act. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, this is an opportunity, and I appeal to those people, please put forward your submissions. You have time till the 26th of August so that we can ensure that in future we don't have the same problems and the irrational regulations we had experienced and we had to experience as ordinary citizens in South Africa. Absolutely. No, thank you, Doctor, for that. That's, that explains uh, quite a bit and how important this, this bill is. But let's, let's go back to, to what you mentioned there. You mentioned that um, the minister can, ex- after three months, can extend it for, for a month at, at a time. And we've seen her do that on the 15th of, of every month. Does she do that without consultation? She, she clearly does it without uh, oversight from, from Parliament. But what about the NCCC? What role does, does that play and how is that uh, linked to, to Parliament? Well, if you look at the, the Disaster Management Act, yes, uh, she do it in consultation uh, with the NC uh, and, and the Coronavirus uh, Command Centre. But now, we must always distinguish what the Act determines. For instance, the Act determines that the minister declares a state of disaster. But we know in practice, the minister will not act on her own. Mm-hmm. It does not uh, stipulate in the Act that she must consult, for instance, the president or anyone like that. But we know how politics work. The governing party, the president will not allow his minister although the, the Act determines, the Minister determines uh, the state of disaster, will not do it without the approval, actually, of the President and the Cabinet. So, yes, I can say behind the scenes, there is consultation, but if you go and look at the Act in, as it is written, then she doesn't have to do that. But in practice, it is different. So, uh, in terms of legislation, she must then consult with the command center. They have different uh, structures there, and the act determines and stipulates that she must uh, consult, but then she can make the regulations. Uh, and that is what the act says, and that is part of the problems in the present act uh, that we experience. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the, the question is still, 
you know, the, well, the, the observation from, from my side is that the, the minister can still, she can hear those recommendations and she can acknowledge them and so on, but ultimately she has the final say in, in what gets put forward, especially when it comes to, to regulations. And we've seen that in, in other bills from other ministers and other departments as well, where uh, public participation or parliamentary oversight isn't required in the drafting of, of regulations. Is that not a, a, a hindrance to, to the actual uh, participative democracy process? There's no doubt on that. Uh, it is a hindrance. Specifically, we must remember that we are a constitutional democracy. That means the, uh, the constitution is central and the most important piece of legislation. And all legislation uh, in South Africa must comply to the principles and uh, the sections of the Constitution. And that's why you are quite right. Uh, part of a constitutional democracy is that the people, the electorate, the public, must be able to also put in their views when we talk about legislation. That's why the parliamentary system uh, and the rules of Parliament provides that any piece of legislation, whether it is a, uh, well, in this specific case, it is an amendment bill, but even if it is a bill, a normal bill, a piece of legislation for the first time, then it is determined that there must be an opportunity for the public to make submissions and give their views on whether it's a bill or amendment bill, so that Parliament must listen to the people. And yes, everybody say, but Parliament uh, has oversight over the executive. That's true. That's It's, it's in legislation. Uh, and it is also part of the Constitution. But in practice, we have a problem. And the problem is, for instance, uh, if you look at the portfolio committees, yes, the portfolio committee can ask the minister to be present and to come, to come and answer on certain questions. If he or she doesn't do it, that he or she can be summoned by the portfolio committee to appear. But the problem, as I experience it, is yes, let's take this case. The minister appears in front of uh, the portfolio committee on local government. Of The COCHTA is actually a cooperative government and traditional affairs. They ask her questions. She can decide whether she wants to answer, and if she answers, she answer, give vague answers. But if she's answered the questions, the committee does still not have the authority to say, listen, we do not agree with this regulation. We are going to change it. Uh, the Portfolio Committee and Parliament just at the moment, as the Disaster Man the Management Act determines, has no power to change that. Uh, the minister can just come and give her views and say, yes, I've heard what you said, but we continue. The regulations will be determined by myself. This amendment bill will make a change. This amendment bill, which I propose, is to say, yes, you appear. And listen, this portfolio committee and parliament does not approve of these regulations. So we're going to change it. And this is how we're going to change it. And that is why I say the amendment bill gives more power to Parliament. Now, I know there are many people that say, but in a case of a disaster, say, for instance, you have an earthquake, 
You can't just go to Parliament and say, listen, may I then declare a state of disaster? That's not what the bill aims to do. The, the, the bill says quite clearly, the minister can still immediately, if the earthquake happened today, that same day she can declare a state of disaster for 21 days. So she can immediately take certain steps to address the issue uh, and address the disaster. But then after 21 days, if she wants to extend it, she comes to Parliament, we can extend it and the regulations, and if she's put out certain regulations before the 21 days, Parliament can say, yes, we continue with that, or we're going to change them. And that is what it is about in this amendment bill. Because at present, the minister, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we talk about accountability. Mm -hmm. Accountability is not just to say, uh, I'm going to give you some answers. Whether you agree or not, I still continue um, going to do what I wish. Accountability is that, yes, this is the reason or the reasons why I've made this regulation. And do you approve of that? If we differ, let's talk about it. And let's see what is in the best interest of the people of South Africa. So okay, in practice, you. in simple terms, this is what's going to happen. Definitely. And I think the key there is that's what's in the best interest of the citizens of South Africa. After all, uh, members of parliament are simply representatives and our minister is a representative of a certain portfolio and she should be held accountable to the citizens of the democracy. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Water 1.9 High FM. I'm chatting today with uh, Dr. Grunewald around important amendments to the Disaster Management Act and how you as a citizen should get involved in this draft legislation and have your say. Doctor, we were chatting um, about the importance thereof and I, I just want to go back a little bit and you mentioned earlier on about the difference between a state of emergency and a state of disaster. Um, what what are the overlaps that, that we, are, we are seeing here and what do we propose to, how do we propose to separate those? Well, firstly you asked the overlap and there's a very gray area. As I said previously, in my research, when I compiled this private members bill, I found that all over the world, most of the countries, they only have a, can I say, a state of uh, emergency. They have certain emergency acts. And if they want to enforce certain regulations, then they declare a state of emergency. As I said, in South Africa, we also have that uh, situation, and it is regulated by uh, Section uh, 37 of the Constitution. And in the Constitution, it states that, the, as I said, the President can declare a state of emergency, but after 21 days, he must get further approval. And what is important is that Parliament can extend it for th months after 21 days with a simple majority of 50% plus one, but then the constitution determines that if there is any further extension of the state of emergency, then parliament must approve with a 60% majority. So it's a very severe 
action taken uh, which have severe impact on the uh, human rights of the people. But the problem is there's always been meant that the disaster management is for natural uh, disasters such as a earthquake, for instance, which I've mentioned. And I just want to add here that uh, the amendment bill proposes that, for instance, if you declare a, a disaster on in a specific local uh, municipality, it means on local government level, then the council, uh, the city council must approve after 21 days. If a province, for instance, declare a, a disaster in the province, then the provincial legislature must approve after 21 days. So it provides for all three levels of government. You ask uh, uh, as far as the two acts are concerned, in one of the meetings uh, the president had with uh, we as uh, party political leaders, I've asked him, why did you use the Disaster Management Act and not the state of emergency? His answer to me was to say, well, they said to me that in a state of emergency, I will always have to go back to Parliament, and that can take time. Now, that's an excuse. Uh, in the reaction of the department on my private member's bill, when I appeared in front of uh, the portfolio committee, that was exactly their argument. They wanted to say, no, but you cannot wait because it's a disaster. You must act immediately. Now, that, that is to mislead the people because they can still act immediately. But the president actually admitted that they don't want these oversight from parliament. And I think South Africa is in a unique situation where they have two acts. They, you could have used, let me put it this, the president could have used the State of Emergency Act as well uh, and not the Disaster Management Act. So we have the unique situation that we have two pieces of legislation which can be used specifically in this case of COVID-19, uh, but the government could make that decision. So they deliberately chose the, the, the smoother option where they wouldn't uh, require oversight to extend it or they wouldn't require oversight to set uh, the uh, constitutionally, oh, let's say, conflicting regulations and, and so on. It, 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 it's amazing that they, they actually did take that role. But we can, we can understand, understand why when you place yourself in the, in the seat of the ANC and, and their related, related ideology. But perhaps that's a, a different discussion altogether. What, what I don't really understand is that, you know, the Disaster Management Act, as you say, is for a hurricane or a uh, earthquake or some sort of natural disaster and to try and bring the country and citizens and communities back back on track after the fact. Yet, it was used as a preventative measure in this case, in, in the case of COVID-19. We hadn't seen uh, many cases at all. In fact, I think there was only one death, or maybe it was even only one case that had been reported, and suddenly the Disaster Management Act was in, in, enacted and a national state of disaster declared. Is that is that constitutionally valid? Could they could they was there there an error in judgment in the implementation right from the word go? Well, you see, there were different uh, court cases on the matter. The Freedom Front Plus itself went to court. 
uh, questioning the constitutionality. Uh, actually, most of those cases were lost, and we still have to wait for a final appeal to certain matters. But what, uh, and that's the reason why I came forward with a private members bill after our court case. I experienced that what the courts are looking at is that they say, well, if you look at the Disaster Management Act, it gives authority and the powers to make certain regulations. Uh, whether that regulation is irrational or rational, that's a different matter. And in our specific case, we said, okay, the court said you must bring forward the examples. And we've asked the government to give us all the reasons why they made certain uh, decisions to put out certain regulations. We're actually still waiting for that. But uh, as I always say, the wheels of justice are turning very slow, and I couldn't wait till that then. So let's change the act, because the court cases refers to the act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is why, and you've put it quite uh, quite, quite good and to say uh, it was a smooth option. Uh, your question whether it's unconstitutional, we were of the opinion, and other institutions were of the opinion it is incons- uh, unconstitutional. But okay, we have uh, the courts, and they may have to make that decision. The point is we cannot wait until that, because you also have the situation. Uh, at this moment, we are on a level three. But it's not a level three like it was previously on a level three restriction. I mean, uh, just to refresh the minds, uh, on the previous uh, level three, uh, specifically last year, small businesses were not allowed to open. Addresses, uh, garden services, uh, all those small businesses were not allowed to open. And now we are on a level three with adjusters adjusted restrictions. So in a certain sense, this is actually proof and if you look at the the infection rate and the the numbers, we have more infections than we had last year when we were on level three. But then we were not allowed to have open businesses on, as I've mentioned, now it is permitted. So it is proof that last year's decisions were wrong. It was not necessary to close the economy as the government had did. And you've referred to some ideological uh, views and approaches from government. Yes, we can have a long discussion on that. And therefore, we have proof now that it was not necessary because you can still control the virus without closing all uh, the businesses. And therefore, we, and that's why I say that this amendment bill uh, is very important. And I must say, the ANC uh, is not always very in favor of private members' bills. Because, I mean, the ANC is the majority party. They have a majority in each and every portfolio committee. But uh, I was quite uh, happy when the committee decided to say, well, let's continue. Let's get some inputs and submissions from the public. So, uh, actually, the portfolio committee now is in charge of this bill to put it through the processes. And uh, I'm very hopeful that we can change the legislation to ensure that in future, as I said, there is more accountability and more oversight from Parliament. Absolutely. 
And that's, that's actually wonderful. And the, uh, opportunity for the public to, to influence the outcome of this is, is extremely, extremely important. And as you say, I think this is going to be down to, uh, public participation and, uh, show, to show the parliamentary process and the, the, uh, setters of this, of this well and the decision makers that there is a keen public interest in this and, to remind uh, Parliament and the committees and the Minister herself that it is always necessary to act in the best interest of of society. Um, although she has she has consulted with uh, uh, experts in the field and the NCCC as such, there needs to be input from from the public for matters that they might might have overlooked. Dr. Grunewald, I thank you so much for, for your time and explaining this wonderful bill. And honestly, well done for, for introducing this. It's, uh, it's an extremely important, important bill. And I wish you best of luck. Thank you for, for joining us today. Rob, uh, thank you. I think we, I, we need that luck, but I think South Africa needs it. And uh, thank you always for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. I really appreciate it. And thank you for you as yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. We shall certainly catch up again sometime soon.